Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character, a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today my guest is Alexei Bondarenko Hans. He is a social impact and inclusion specialist. He's been setting up the also a chance to talk to him about a lot of the neurodivergent people that he um, plays games with and some of the ways that role-playing games can deal with different situations that might come up and uh, a lot of the different ways he he introduces characters. Uh, there's some really good stuff. We get to talk about a furbolg, um, which I think you'll all enjoy. Pugglesworth is just fun. So let's get into the episode. I don't think it, it's something that you can see because I keep seeing these little memes of how you can make Dungeons and Dragons, like how you put it on your resume. Yeah. And it's things like organized weekly updates get with the team. Yeah, yeah get togethers, um, use problem solving techniques in a group situation. It's like that's exactly what you do. Yeah. That's it's pretty true. much, yeah, the, the thing that you do. I mean, is this something that you have when you consult with, um, with companies? You, not use those techniques but do you find similarities between them? yeah definitely i'm i think it's hard i'm a i'm a networker and a facilitator yeah. um i've spent a lot of time doing youth work and working community settings i work in sport and rec so you think like swimming pools and gyms and stuff i used to sign yeah. people up for the gym and so a lot of those techniques that i use in those spaces i find that organically i use in dungeons and dragons and don't really think about it mm-hmm. um you know, what am I running now? 11 games at the moment through my Is that kind of like inclusion methods of saying, hey, come over and talk to this person and you two yeah. might get along and that kind of thing. And then when you're playing the game, it's more like, okay, Bob hasn't said anything for a little while. Let's let's yeah. see if he's got anything to do. Yeah, totally. And, and just like just mirroring, reflecting like feedback to people in a, in a non-aggressive way, like where it's not criticism, but it's like, oh, hey, mate, you know, you, you've been talking a lot and we've got seven other people at the table um, we're just going to pause what you're doing. We'll come back to you, but you know, let's hear from you know Otis or um, someone else who's been a little bit quiet at this session. Is anything that you'd like to do? Um, and then you've, I always find like you know it's the same as like a facilitate training in inclusion, diversity, or mental health. Uh, there's people who want to share and want to talk. Um, you know, I always think back to my uni days and like my tutes. I'd be like the mature age student that would ask a million questions. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, that was frustrating because we actually did want to talk. But um, for some people, they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, ask a million questions. I'm learning stuff and I don't have to say anything. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you, you definitely, there's definitely a crossover of skills. I actually, um, I can't remember if I mentioned it to you. I, so I run a business. I'm a consultant. I do, mm. you know, strategic planning for companies. I do social procurement, um, uh, like, pathway setups for helping companies connect with not-for-profit and the not-for-profit sector and then understand the needs of employing people from a vulnerable background or from a particular cohort that they might be wanting to target, i.e. people on the autism spectrum or someone who's experienced homelessness from a young age. Um, Somebody who would have the experience that they're looking to, to speak to. Yeah, totally. Um, and I've got, then I've kind of got this other stuff that I do, which is, it, I suppose it's really interest-based mentoring or facilitation so i find what people like to do or what i like to do i find ways to make it interactive 
and profitable for me, but also <laughs> to have meaningful outcomes for people who are participating. So Dungeons and Dragons specifically, what I've been doing is running groups from a social perspective, so trying to build people's social networks and build their social skills. So particularly this is relevant for people um, who are neurodiverse and might struggle in a more traditional social setting, but Dungeons and Dragons is actually a great way to build social skills because um, oh, yeah. a it's lot of... A, it's uh, such a good way for, for people to meet new people. Yeah, well, it's exactly. Like um, back in my sociology days, I studied sociology in my undergrad, and my, my last year of uni, I had to do a capstone project, and I was like, oh, what am I going to... You have to choose a research subject and run focus groups and interviews and then you know, come up with a solution or an outcome. When I, went, when I was in primary school and secondary school, I was bullied a lot. I just didn't fit in. I was a massive nerd. Um, and essentially, I played... We all are, honestly. Oh, yeah. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but I was playing, like, live-action D&D with one of my good mates. Yeah. And we were in, like, grade six. We'd run around pretending we had Dragon Ball Z powers or the little wizards or, you know, making up stories and acting it out. Uh, and a lot of our peers would look at us and go, oh, you guys are weird. So with, like... Um, D&D, like you're saying, it's a really great way for people to express their weird creativeness in a formal setting where it's totally acceptable to be a, a purple, gender-neutral uh, dragon in yeah. humanoid form. Yeah. <laughs> I guess totally cool. With, like, yeah, that's awesome. You can create wings out of their back whenever they want yeah, to yeah. breathe bubbles. It's like, yeah, why not? It. Yeah, of course. Um, so that's, that's, like, that's part of the fun, I think, um, in the... You know, you can be creative and it's a normal to be creative in that space. But also yeah. there's rules around it too. Like mm. I, um, I've often found, like I've got a couple of friends that love theatre and love theatre games. I enjoy theatre games. I don't enjoy theatre. Um, I, I like acting on the stage, but I don't like rehearsing lines and all that sort of stuff. Wow. I probably would really enjoy improv, I think. Uh, yeah, but that always never... seems to be the way. Improv seems to be that nice mix where you don't have to worry about going to rehearsals and saying the same thing over and over and over but you yeah. also get to have that thrill of i am performing and i'm doing something interesting yeah that's it um totally yeah it's like with the whole like consulting thing with the dnd groups like it, it i don't know it's like this formal space with formal rules that are quite flexible and that's one of the things i love like that's something i do in my day job working in sport and recreation is um, helping people connect to leisure facilities, like go to the gym who wouldn't usually be in the gym. Like think a bunch of teenage boys that do play Dungeons and Dragons that would never dream of stepping foot in the gym or they might dream about it, but they might go, oh, you know, I don't belong there. I haven't got the right body type or mm-hmm. like all my, all the guys I see in the gym, they're not my people. Um, and so I think something that I love about D&D, something I'm always trying to work on in the gym space is like, you know, Community facilities and sport and rec facilities have a set of rules. Like, you come to the front door, you pay money, you go see a trainer, you go to your workout, or you go to group fitness classes. Um, but a lot of people struggle with that routine or that process. Um, and it's the same for social interactions. Uh, and it, what it comes down to, I find, is who, who is facilitating that process. So, you know, if you and I are having a conversation and you're nervous about going to the gym or making friends or playing Dungeons and Dragons, if I can help you feel comfortable and included, uh, it's just super empowering and really fun. Um, and I love that D&D as a, as a setting can do that for a lot of people in that, you know, people might not be super into D&D, but they might want to make friends or they might want to work on their, like you were saying right at the start before, um, about their employment skills. They might be looking for a job. 
I'm actually working with a client at the moment. Um, we just play D&D one-on-one. And um, he's studying a, a science lab course at TAFE. And uh, in D&D, what I've been doing is um, pushing him to become a dungeon master because being a dungeon master, you have so many transferable skills. Like, yeah. like you're saying, you know, I'm organizing regular sessions, communicating clearly and concisely, um, managing, managing different conflict. skills, remembering yeah. stuff, just... Yeah. Um, Project management, essentially. Yeah. 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 Um, Business development, because you're thinking about where the adventure can go next. Yeah, totally. And problem solving, um, you know, creative solution, like or collaborative solution making. You know, a lot of people uh, in a work setting, I don't know about you, I know I go to so many work meetings and people are like, yep, so this is what's happening, this is what we're doing, or the team leader or the manager's telling people how it is. And there'll be like four people in the room that'll be like, oh, you know, what about this idea? What about this idea? And there's always that one guy that doesn't say anything, but he knows that I've got a friend of mine that does this. Um, he works in manufacturing and he used to go to China and he'd help the, 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 the factories basically implement new manufacturing lines. Um, but what would always happen is the, the management team would be like, great, we're going to get this new piece of equipment that's going to improve our output and we're going to put it here in this square box of a room. But the people on the floor go, well, if you put it there, our tool rack is on the other side of the building and we're talking about a building that's like, you know, 900 metres by 1,500 metres. So that's a ridiculous amount of to and fro. So why don't you put it over here and, you know, move these things or, or bring our tool wall over here and change out. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's that logistics that, I don't know, the logistics and the problem solving and the it, it kicks kickstarts little sparks in your head. And it I think does, exactly. A, it's just Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, it's kind of role-playing games in general because you're putting yourself into a different situation that you're not yeah. used to. And as, like you've said, this is in a safe space with the rules and parameters designed. That situation with the, the, um, the factory floor, there might be other stuff that you don't know about. But yeah, you totally. Go, these are the information I've got. These are the rules. These are the parameters I can do. That's it. I can sort that out because I've learned from the skill. I've learned other situations. I've had to make sure yeah. that the goblin can get across the, the river when there's a wolf yeah. chasing him, that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, definitely. And also it gives people, like particularly for this one client, um, it gives him the confidence to know that, you know, in our sessions when I say, hey, Caleb, what do you think about this scenario? How would you overcome it? And he's really good at going, well, here's the rules and here's what I know. And, well, actually, you know, could I try this even though it's against the rules? And mm. so when he's in the work setting and he's got the opportunity to do those things because he's autistic and he's actually fantastic, his attention to detail is amazing. I'll say stuff, I'm really laissez-faire with my dungeon mastering and I'll be making things up on the fly. And he's like, Alexa, remember you said this thing like three weeks ago? And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, you're right. That's that's awesome. Like, thanks for remembering. Yeah. Um but I love that he can speak up when we first started playing. He didn't always have the confidence to do that. Mm. And what's really fun is now that we're doing it one-on-one, we've introduced a new player in. Um, we did it one-on-one for about three months. And we introduced his brother-in-law who's coming to play. And it was funny, as soon as his brother-in-law was there, again, he kind of sat back because like, the rules changed for him and he was feeling a little bit like he needed to build confidence again. And down the line, we'll end up having a group of five or six people playing. Mm. And he'll have that confidence to go, oh, yeah, I'm using all of these skills with all of these people in all of these different settings. And it seems so much more complex right now but than it was back then. Like, I think I think it was maybe eight weeks in, and I have I had two NPCs in the party that I was running. 
And I said to him, oh, look, you've got one character. Why don't we add another character? We need another support class. Let's have a, another support class. You can make the character and then you can play two characters. Um, and that was partly to help him develop his dungeon mastering skills as well, to like practice different personalities and switching rapidly. And it's hilarious because it's the two of us sitting there having conversations between our two characters. Like, you know, I'm, I'm talking between my characters and he's talking to him and his characters. Um, and it, it is just like a great activity of being silly, um, yeah. which shifts it. It's like it has other applications too, right? Like if I can feel comfortable doing silly voices because I'm terrible at accents. Um, when you ask me to think about a character to talk about, um, I, like the first guy that came to mind is the guy in this campaign that I started with. His name is Pavelsworth McGurgo. He's a, a, a Thurbolg light cleric. He's awesome. Um, I, I watch a lot of Critical Role. When I, when I first got into d and I was really depressed. I was just having a shitty time. And I was like, right, I've always wanted to play D&D. One of the things I want to do to make myself feel better is find a group or create a group. And I struggled to find a group for ages. Like, there was just people that were like, oh, you need to interview for it. Um, we want to yeah. make sure that you're the perfectly the right fit. And I was like, man, like, can I just turn up and play and you guys help me out a little bit? And if you don't like me, that's cool. But, like, I barely even know the rules right now. So I don't know how to... You just want to learn. You don't want yeah. to have to worry about, basically, it is... Finding a new group sometimes, it feels like dating again. Oh, that you've got yeah, to go through all 100%. these things. And you've got to make sure you're the right fit and make sure everyone meshes and everyone has a good time at the table. It's like, yeah, but you kind of have a good time with D&D no matter what. Yeah, no, definitely. It's part of what I've been doing. So I've actually set up a Dungeons & Dragons League, which is free to play. It's run by volunteers. Um, and the basic idea there is to promote inclusion um, and inclusive play, which, you know, I definitely would support any groups that we're running um, to, you know, remove people from the gameplay if, if it's not gelling right. But they need, there needs to be a process of give it a go. Because um, often I find it's we won't give it a go. We're going to be really specific about what we want. Um, which, again, if that's what people want to do, that's fine. But I found as a new player, because of that, it was really hard to engage. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, Puggles worth. Um, he kind yeah, of tell me more about, about Pugglesworth. Yeah, he came about because oh, I love, um, what's his name on Critical Role? Um, the Thurbolg who runs the shop. The, oh, the, Primat Soul. Primat Soul. Like, yeah. as, soon as, as soon as I met Primat Soul in Critical Role, I was like, oh, he's just cool. And mm. then when, when, um, um, can I do that? when uh, a certain character passed away and one of the other characters came back with a new character, when mm. Caduceus entered the campaign, I was like, you know what? I could, I could really dig this Caduceus character. And way back when I was seventeen, I, I did some uh, rather intense things as a kid. I did a like overseas youth exchange program. I came back, and again, my mental health wasn't great. And mum and dad encouraged me to do like a ten-day uh, meditation retreat. Mm-hmm. You don't speak for nine out of ten days. Wow. Uh, you get up at like four a.m. You meditate, and like it wasn't really my thing, but I did get a lot out of it. And on the last day, you can talk. And so I'd been sitting in a hall with all these other men, like men and women are segregated. Mm. So I was with all these other men. And um, there's one guy, uh, he's Leo, he was hilarious. Um, we are just kind of sitting there in the paddock talking. There was a bunch of cows off in the distance. And he cracked some joke. I don't even remember what it was now, but it was about cows eating grass and grass eating weed and the wonder cows look stoned all the time. And like the funniest thing I'd heard, cause I hadn't <laughs> spoken to anyone in nine days. Yeah. When, when I met Pumat, I just, for some reason, this memory came back to me of like stoned cows. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have um, like a Californian stoner 
like character. So Pugglesworth is like a light cleric, but his personality and his voice is inspired by like the California beat style, like Stoner yeah. Dude. That's um, fantastic. That, for some reason, furbolgs, <laughs> just with their connection with nature, I feel that works yeah. so well because it's not even yeah. just the, the weed and the, the yeah. marijuana aspect. It's that being in touch with the ocean. Yeah. And just, yeah. I know I, everything's in its place. Yeah, I'm, totally. Cool. Yeah. Well, I love it. I mean, that's how I kind of came up with him. And when I was starting to play with Caleb, this guy I work with, um, he's an awesome player, by the way. He's really fun to play with. Uh, he had this character, Caleb really wanted to play D&D. He couldn't find anyone to play D&D, which is really common for people on the spectrum. So anyone out there, if you're listening, and if you know someone who's on the spectrum and would really love to play, just nurture them a little bit and invite yeah. them to a game. Um, well, it'll I be one of the coolest the, things you ever do. One of the key things that we're... We just recorded a podcast, the other one, the um, of Dice yeah. and DMs. We just recorded this one on why people play and how they get into it. And a lot yeah. of it is finding... Someone will bring you in. It might be an yeah. older brother or a parent or a friend, but yeah. so many it's stories. Like yeah, it is. You have, hey, come, <laughs> on, come in. You're going to have to spend all this money on books. It'll be fine. And dice yeah. and miniatures. But when you don't have a mentor figure like that, it's so difficult to break into yeah. these established groups. So totally. if, if anyone knows someone who has wanted to, but might be a bit shy about it or might be on the spectrum, might have difficulty finding new groups, do it yourself. Go into yeah. it's it's just a great way of making new friends. Even if you go go to a game store and somebody's going, I I want to play, but I don't know how. Go great, I'll teach you. Come over, sit down, and I'll teach you right now. Yeah, totally. Sorry, I, inter- um, I interrupted you. You were talking. No, about, no, you're um, fine, man. This, this is how it goes. Um, yeah. yeah, well, that was my idea. So when I started with Caleb, I was like, oh, I what I tend to do because I, I do this for work. I started during lockdown. I've got eleven active campaigns at the moment. So see, this is eleven uh, games in six months. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm running them all simultaneously currently. So some of them, I think three of them are monthly uh, and the rest are weekly. Um, but they tend to, like, it's, it's like, you think like two to three hour sessions. So it's not a whole, it's not like, you know, full day sessions. Um, and I should, I should probably preface all of this by saying I'm paid to do this. <laughs> this is partly my job. Um, so I love Otherwise it. you just and wouldn't I, have the time. No, I would not. Um, so I try to run concurrent, concurrent, campaign so you know, i was running the dragon of ice by peak for another group so i mm-hmm. ran that for caleb to start with and what i've actually done is i've cross cross create cross pollinated lost minds of Fandelva with the kickstarter pack with the ice by peak pack just to make it a little bit more dynamic for me because i've played both campaigns four times now mm-hmm. um and uh so caleb and i were playing and um i was trying to come up with like where pugglesworth would be from and um I totally just ripped off Critical Role with Caduceus' history. I was like, you know what? I love this idea of like this lone stoned uh, furbolg living in like part of Neverwinter Forest, trying to take care of the forest, but not succeeding. Like it's going really badly. Um, and I was like, you know, what, what can make this really interesting? I was like, well, Minuling, which is Caleb's character, is from the Underdark, is a changeling, had escaped sort of being part of in, in, in our world. The changelings are... Slaves of the Drow, um, kind of standard, I think. Um, and she escapes, and um, in her escape, kind of made her way down south towards Neverwinter Forest. Um, and uh, Pugglesworth was trying to fight off some goblins, and so they kind of had this encounter. Um, but the forest that he was taking care of, it's just something something ain't right. Um, 
and uh, it's being overrun by these huge spiders from the underdark, and he's arachnophobic. So like, he just like he just so he good. couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah, so um, that was a bit of fun to like just kind of play the character as arachnophobic with a character who'd grown up around this house. So minioning was like oh, yeah. spiders, whatever. Uh, that's even such a, a better combination because it's like it's a, yeah. it's a spider. Look, you can just watch it on your hand and you can eat it. Yeah. It's great. It, you're fine. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. While Pugglesworth just freaking out. <laughs> Yeah, and he's been pretty chill most of the time, except when there's spiders. And then, like, if it's like absolutely necessary, I, I like, I, I did design his character and why I chose to run him in this campaign. Caleb is, I really wanted a character that would not necessarily be support because um, Minuling is actually a bard, mm-hmm. um, so you know, Caleb was playing a support character, but he needed to have like Pugglesworth needed to have a supportive personality. So, like, he needs to be, like, a little bit dominant, but in a relaxed way so that when Caleb's ready to step up with his characters, he can. Um, so that was kind of part of, like, the design behind Pugglesworth, like, warmness. Like, you know, the idea was that he's just the kind of guy that's just going to give you a big hug and be there to support you. And if people are trying to punch you, he'll stand in front of you and take the hit. So he's, like, a frontline fighter. I chose a, a cleric of light. Like, I think there's going to be a fair bit of... Um, under dark activities, so I just like that kind of symbol of light in the dark, and um, yeah, it's been it's been so much fun playing him. I think I've had the most fun with any character. I think the only other two characters I've had this much fun with is one is called Corellian from a, a homebrew campaign, who is a um, a high level wizard who is um, sworn to the dark powers. In that campaign, the dark powers are infiltrating the material plane, and they've released Strahd and Soth and uh, um, and this guy Corellian to dominate the, the plane. So Soth has conquered Waterdeep with an army of Drow and um, Durgar and uh, Corellian is currently researching like old arcane, um, I actually stole it straight from like the Autobots, but like there's a bunch of robots, um, like arcane robots is gonna reanimate. Um, that's cool. But like that character's been fun because Corellian is like quite nefarious but really likable, like really charismatic. So I've enjoyed playing him because of that. And I've liked the the dual like he doesn't want to serve the dark powers but he has to behaviours. Like that's been fun. And then I had another character who was a, a wizard illusionist. I played it for one shot. Um and I just rolled like I rolled a six for his um charisma. And it was just bad. So I just played him as this really, really narky, cranky gnome. And again, I think it was the personality that I had heaps of fun. Like yeah. he was always up front. He was really active, um, but he was just mean to everyone. <laughs> and that was heaps of fun. So I don't know what that says about me, but I think Pugglesworth probably is the closest to who I am at heart. Like I'm a big softy. It's probably why I like him the most. I think it's interesting that so many great character moments come from low stats like that for um, mm. for the gnome that a lot of people i think want i mean it, dungeons and dragons that we often say it's a power fantasy because mm. you get to do whatever you want and you sometimes you don't want to be the weakling of the party but that can be the more entertaining one and it's usually when you want to have a really interesting character trait oh uh, yeah totally I, i'm just about to create a character he's technically a cleric but his wisdom is really really poor because he's not a very good cleric. He's just this guy that took the job because it was on offer. 
and you know, yeah. he follows all the rules and he does all this stuff, but he's pretty bad at it. Uh, that sounds and like fun. Just that idea that you make someone who's really bad at the thing they do, and it's really fun for you to play that. But then again, there's also that that joy of I get to be an interesting version of myself that you get to develop so. something like you're saying with Pugglesworth. Yeah, yeah, no, but, totally. Um, I, my poor partner, my poor, not, my partner is not a fan of D and D at all. Like when we first met. We actually, we matched on Tinder, we've been messaging for a little while and my life was busy, her life was busy, so we kind of dropped off the radar. And then we had our first date on the day I was going to play my first game of D&D with this group that I put together with some friends. And so she did, it was like, when we got together, she's like, oh yeah, like you're doing this nerdy thing, but it's the first time you're doing it. So like, how much of your life is it going to take up? And now It's I'm just like, a yeah, weird hobby you got for a, set, for a week. 25 hours a week, I'm working doing D&D, we've got miniatures and stuff all through the house. Mm-hmm. I like... The one thing she does like to do is she likes to paint miniatures with me. So um, that's, good. that's really nice. We did bond yeah. over that. But she like, she's working in the other room. So I'm running sessions during the day for kids who've been you know, doing remote learning. And um, she just hears like all these yuck, booming voices coming from our bedroom. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I feel sorry for our neighbours downstairs sometimes. They hear like some like weird witchy voice screaming like, run to your life! <laughs> and she's like, poke her head in and they're like, oh yeah, this is okay for witches. I think that's usually the that's kind of what's made it really good playing online over the last mm-hmm. six months because there is always that little bit of playing in public which some people have to do um, if you're yeah. playing in a game store or something and while it's really fun to get into it you do suddenly realize halfway through oh that person over there is just playing risk they have no idea that we're just about to kill the big bad guy yeah but they're not caring about this epic epic story that my character's going through they're just going all right so that's D and D. Huh. No, totally. Yeah, look, that, that's that's definitely a huge part of it too. I think I, I really noticed too, like one of the things I really noticed when I play Pugglesworth, like, you know, the reason I know I like this character so much is when I'm playing, even if I had a shit day and because it's work, believe it or not, sometimes I don't want to play D&D, um, as soon as I start playing him, I just get really loud. <laughs> you know, I'm like noise-canceling headphones, so like yeah. I just don't realise how loud I am. There's been a couple of times I've come out of my session, like have a quick break. My partner's like, um, can you like please be quiet? Like I've got all the doors closed and my meeting heard you yelling. Like, <laughs> um, that's a fun way to explain it. No, no, that's just my partner being a furbolg. It's fine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, he's a cow man. It's all good. Um, it's all fine. No, no one's going to mind that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're saying that you really only put together, you started playing this year, is that right? Or did you start playing a couple of years ago? I started playing for maybe a year and a half ago. No, okay. two years ago. Would have been two two years, two and a half years ago. Sorry, exactly. It was yeah, because like you were saying when you were a kid and playing Dragon Ball Z and things like that. So you never encountered Dungeons and Dragons back I, then. I didn't, mate. I like I, I kind of was aware of it on the periphery, but in my social networks, no one really played. My parents are not nerds; they're hippies. Um, yep. I was the kid that did like swimming and I played four musical instruments and I, I went to a Steiner school, so I went to an old tennis school setting and I did all the extra stuff, but I, I, my nerdy habits, aside from, I think when I was about 15, we got a PlayStation 2, mm-hmm. um, so I played a bit of Tony Hawk and Ratchet and Clank and like, yeah. I didn't really get into it. Um, a friend of mine had a PC, we played Morrowind a little bit mm-hmm. at his place. And then when Skyrim came out, I like I loved Skyrim so much. I was like, this is amazing. Like this is this is what I used to do when I was, you know, in grade six. Um, I was like eleven, twelve years old. 
I wish like there was more of this. Like, how do I have more of this? And then it wasn't until I think a friend of mine, I'm trying to remember, got me onto. No, actually, I just found it on my own. I think I was I was YouTubing, you know, the YouTube rabbit warren at like four a.m. Yeah. Um, and I came across Critical Role. Now, that might have been a different. That was a different a different um, group that plays, but they had like they had the full um, like village set up with all like the 3D printable like houses and it was amazing. It was so cool. And I, I was like consuming it. Like I was, I watched like, you know, 11 episodes and then before Jeez. I went to bed, um, so there would have been like, it would have been like eight or nine hours of, um, these like short episodes that were put together. Yep. Um, and I was like, this is so cool. So that, that's how I kind of slowly immersed myself in it. And then I mentioned it to a friend one day and they're like, Oh yeah, I used to play. I'd love to play. And I was like, okay, this has to happen. It's starting. Yeah. 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 So did you start as a player with someone else, Dungeon Master, or did you just jump right into the deep end? I was going to be the DM, but my mate actually put his hand up. We decided we are going to take turns. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a Dungeon Master, but I got really frustrated with his Dungeon Master, like his DM style. Like I, I've always been a, a high fantasy fan. Like I love um, like the King Killer Chronicles, like Patrick Rothfuss named The Wind, probably my favorite fantasy series of all time wish the last one would come out. Um, <laughs> someday. 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 Uh, I'll be like 65 or something. Yeah, well, he's got to finish writing um, like, Rick and Morty as first and doing all this uh, other yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, but what I love about Rothfuss, and some other authors do it quite well too, like I, I actually really like Magician, uh, like Raymond E. Fight oh, yeah. series. Um, because they, and I do it as a dungeon master, right? They have like, you know, they, they weave narratives. And I, I think you kind of see this critical role does this quite well. Like, and it doesn't need to be player character narratives. It can just be narratives in the world where you have these seeming innocuous moments that, that almost like uh, change the tide um, of the story itself. Or they give it like a depth and a richness that you just don't get anywhere else. So when I was coming to play d and I was kind of looking for that a little bit. But my friend, he likes the power game. He's like, I'm playing to win. He doesn't always understand the rules properly. So he would read, we played Lost Minds of Fandel, where he would read the module like half an hour before we got there and then we'd play and it would be exactly what was in the module. Mm-hmm. And like he did have some, he, he's really good because he's a, an engineer and a science background. So he'd have this really fun, like I, I remember I cast Thunderwave in a tunnel and he's like, you know what that's going to do, right? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, it's compressed sound and energy. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to rip your party apart. Like, um, I was like, oh, Great, I didn't realise that. Like, that was actually really fun. He did lots of cool stuff like that, but it just didn't have this story element. Um, yeah. So I ended up running Curse Stride for us for a while. Um, oh, that's a great intro. Yeah. yeah. Um, I put all this time and energy into like we we left our Lost Mine of Candelvin characters behind, and our party was going searching for them. So in I wrote a whole like a letter from um, like. Uh, a high priest of Bahamut, Temple of Bahamut in um, in Neverwinter, and our party in Curse of Strahd was basically like a, a group of what's the what's like Knights Templar, like yep. you know we're, we're going on a holy crusade to rescue these people from dark and fairy powers. Um, so it was heaps of fun. Like I, it was fun creating it. The players were having heaps of fun, but eventually we actually stopped playing because of group dynamics. Like you know. Yep things happen, right? Like people fall yeah. out of being friends and, um, and but there's time kind of concerns make, and it's, again, it's yeah. that 
sometimes you like this style sometimes you don't sometimes you want a, a game with horror like curse of strad sometimes you want something a bit wackier like adventure zone yeah like, totally everyone wants yeah. a different game no definitely so what i what ended up what ended up kind of happening for me there is even though that group fell apart i realized that the kind of dnd i like to play is that the, like it was first of all it's dnd that's inclusive to everyone but it's dnd that uses story and is about telling stories with your friends um and it's not about being that guy that rocks up and he's like you know here's my 60 pages backstory and every opportunity i'm gonna you know um i think it's that, that youtube series all for one they did an episode recently where they had a, a warlock character and every time he'd go to speak he's like and my patron background 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 <laughs> and like you know what like it's cool you're getting involved in your story but it's not what you know, you don't need to signpost it all the time. No. Um, but I do love, I do, I just love story depth. And it's, it, I think that's why I like Pugglesworth so much because he's easy to do story with. He's not complex. He's not, um, he's not angsty. Mm. It's not tense. It's, it's like, he's just having fun and like, yep. yeah, I'll help that person. Let's go do that. Um, it's actually been interesting because the, the campaign recently we've had Mark come and join us and, um, Caleb and Mark and, Mark is playing Zarathor, he's a paladin, and he, he's quite fun to play with. He, he's been a dungeon master previously as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minu's character is pushing Pugglesworth to go and find his family who've been missing forever. Um, and Pugglesworth has kind of been avoiding dealing with it, and it was actually a really good chance to dig deeper into the character, because I was like, me as Alexei, I didn't want to go and do that. Like, And I was like, no, it's not actually me as Alexei, it's me as Pugglesworth. Pugglesworth didn't want to deal with his missing family because deep down he doesn't want to go back to the patch of forest um so that was a really fun little like learning for me in playing yeah. um i don't know if you've had moments like that where you have like you're like i don't want to do this and like you're like oh it's not me it's my character actually there's been a few like that honestly i think everyone has that moment of uh oh, well even the other way around that yeah. you realize i don't want to do this but i need to do this because my character this is what they need to do in this situation and I think That's very I, probably true. the closest one, um, my half-orc fighter had met his dad, his human dad. Yeah. And there was just that moment, like he thought the dad had abandoned him years and years ago. And he's like, I need to make sure this is actually the guy because if it's the guy, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And this guy's pretty powerful. So if it's the wrong guy and I kill the wrong guy, I'm in trouble. And so we had like three sessions of talking to this guy and everyone else at the table was like, that's, that's your character's dad. Why aren't you doing anything? And eventually I realized I'm just kind of dragging it out because I want a certain moment. Yeah. I want a certain moment to have it. And you know what? I'm just going to have to make that happen because this is what my character's going to be doing. Yeah. He's, he's got cool. all the information he needs now and he's just going to go and he's going to confront this guy and he's going to punch him in the face. Oh, because, awesome. And it was, oh, it was wonderful. I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, he then got his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. The point was that this is what he needed to do. He needed to confront yeah. this guy and he needed to punch him. Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of the really cool things. Um, I've, I've been doing a bit of reading about psychodrama lately. And so mm-hmm. psychodrama, you know, you act out in groups of people, scenes from your life you wish to change. It's part of, um, you know, trying to change the narrative for yourself and giving yourself a sense of control back, but also a sense of comfort in the way things have turned out. And I think that role play and D&D can can do that for us like quite well and it's part of why i focus on you know working with clients who need to build social skills i'm like well actually if you can role play those social skills like the conversation you have as a you know a a rock gnome speaking to the arakocra and high prince of wherever 
Um, you can actually go out into real life and like go and have a conversation with a police officer or someone in a position of authority and reflect back on your conversation. Like, oh, so how did like what happened in the conversation? What worked and what didn't work? Yeah, the, yeah, the social anxiety aspect. I mean, that's kind of how many games are you running for for kids? Because I feel that that's a good example of not the social anxiety part, but they're learning skills that they can use in everyday life. And this is something that they might do normally, just going around and talking to people. And this year in particular, we're not seeing that happen, that there will be kids who might have spent the entire year inside because they're not able to go out. They're not able to go to school and interact with other people. Um, So I'm just wondering, I mean, you're saying before that you run a lot of games for kids. Are you using those same techniques that you are with... um, with Caleb and, and other... Yeah, totally, people. yeah. So Caleb is in his 20s, um, but I've got seven groups. Most yeah. of my clients are actually probably 12 to 14 years of age. Um, I find that like the 15 to 16-year-olds six, um, are kind of running their own games. A couple of like 17, 18, 19-year-olds I'm running games for uh, because their parents like, this is amazing. Like, we've got an NDIS package you're creating social opportunities for our kids, you're giving them tools. One of the things I'm a big believer in really stuck out to me before when you're saying, um, you know, you get, you, when we're talking about mentors, like you, know, you mentor someone yeah. into D&D and then you're like, oh, by the way, you're going to spend about $10,000 on books and dice and you know, 90% of your, your spare room is going to be shelves with minis on it. With a um, low estimate, yeah. Low estimate, yeah. Um, and it's actually so expensive, like as a hobby, to really get into it. Um, so one of the things I've been doing is I've got a D and D Beyond account, um, so it's all online. Most of my sessions are run online. I use Roll Twenty. I've got a couple of mates trying to convert me to Foundry, but I just haven't found the time to learn how to use it properly. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm the kind of guy that I'm like near enough, good enough. Like we're here to have fun. And I don't want this experience to be perfect. Yeah. Like it's about the people and connecting. It's not about the perfect model, perfect map. Um, so, I saw a great yeah. Tumblr post that was talking about Critical Role, where it's got Matt Mercer. He puts down like yeah. these gorgeous Dwarven Forge scene with all these beautifully painted things and blows the smoke across, and the crew's like, "Wow, that looks great!" And then you go back to the really early episodes where yeah. he rolls out a sheet yeah. of butcher's paper and just yeah. puts the minis down, and like it's massive and it looks cool. And everyone's like, "This is the best thing we've ever yeah. seen." It's like that's still that joy, the same level of joy when it's this amazing. Yeah well put together design miniature and when it's just butcher's paper and a couple of little sketches it's like the joy is there no 100 i remember the first episode of critical role where they used a smoke machine and the cast like this is amazing um and it's exactly that but like one of the things i've done with the outer eastern dungeons of dragons league is we've got a dnd beyond the count and for those of you who don't know if you run a community group dnd beyond give you content sharing in up to 10 campaigns with 12 characters, which is amazing, right? Because usually it's five. It's about, what, 1200 bucks for the legendary bundle, whatever it is, $1,500. Something like that, um, yeah. All the content. So I've got all the content in my own account on D&D Beyond, but I've also got this league account. So if there's anyone out there, if you live in the outer eastern world and you want to run games and you're happy to volunteer and you're happy to agree to our, um, our guidelines, which is essentially be nice to people and try to be inclusive, um, we can give you access to the account and you can access all of the content. And I've done that for a few of my clients, like through my personal account. I share the campaign. We have a campaign link. And I'll say to them, oh, look, if you guys want to run games, just create characters in this campaign and deactivate the other ones and then you can run a campaign for a bit. Um, 
and that's been really cool. Like, you know, talking about the kids and like the benefits of socialization for young people. Um, it's, it's been really cool, not only to provide opportunities for them to socialize with me. And then you know, there's a couple of clients that have made friends because I'm running games for them. So they'll say, yep, we want to run a game. I'll go and find people to play with them or someone that I know or someone that they know knows someone and they'll come and like, they start to connect. Um, but I find, I find that fascinating because when I was in high school, none, some of my friends were interested in playing, but they weren't that into it. Like we were much more a Warhammer and Blood Bowl age group. But one of my friends, his older brother, two of his friends played as well. They were really into Planescape. And know, my friend knowing that I was into D&D is like, why don't you just go play with yeah. my brother? He was like a good three, four years older. And they're just like, yeah, come sit down. You can be a halfling rogue. We don't care. It's not like you're playing with a little kid it's you're playing with somebody else who's playing and it just was an opportunity to play that you find more people the more you play that someone will know someone and it's it's how to make new friends totally yeah and i agree that's part of the vision i think i think because i had that experience when i was at primary school and secondary school i went to a small school there's maybe 600 people and i was I was, I, I used the, meta, the, the example like shipwrecks from American Pie. Like the, the guy that people just like to give shit to, that was me. I was like far too enthusiastic and a little bit ADHD. And um, I, I just struggled to fit in. And I, I, I always floated. Like even now as an adult, I've always floated. But one of the cool things I found about D&D is I can join any group and have a sense of belonging. It's that sense of shared identity. I think earlier I was talking about when I was trying to research my capstone unit for my sociology degree and I had to do a research piece and I decided to do a research piece into people's experiences of friendship in their first year of university because I found it really interesting because I went I left high school I nearly flunked year 12 got into uni and had like a high distinction average like I was doing really well at uni where I was shit at school um but on top of that I had way more friends at uni than I did at school I was having a great time but then I had all these friends that I knew from school friends um they were like, oh, uni's crap. Like, I don't really know anyone. Like, it's kind of awkward. And I was like, I just, it's, it just fascinated me. So I did a whole bunch of learning about, like, the fundamentals of friendship. And there's, like, there's two really key things that I've, I found from that. The first one is shared experience and shared experiences are the, the most powerful connector. So, you know, you and I both love D&D. We have a shared interest. And, you know, if we play games together and we share that experience over time, um, we'll build a deeper connection and our chance of becoming friends or remaining friends grows. Um, if our friendship isn't convenient, and this is the second thing that I learned, if it's about convenience, if it's not convenient, those first two points, sorry, shared interests and um, shared experience are really important to protect the friendship. Um, and that's what I found with D&D. Like, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with out of Eastern Dungeons and Dragons League. It's what I'm trying to do for my NDIS clients. It's about saying, hey, guys, if you're interested in this, come and give it a go. Let's create a space for you to belong because everyone wants to belong. It's important. We're, you know, we're herd animals. It's just built into our DNA. Um, but on top of that, if, if it's not convenient for you to belong here, let's find ways where you can belong elsewhere. Or if not, you've got this shared interest, so you can come back any time and you will belong. You, know, you don't have to be here 24-7, um, which for young people is really profound because they don't necessarily understand the mechanics of friendship. Um, no, a lot of the time kids will just be friends with whoever's around because like you were yeah. saying, it's convenient and they have that shared experience of we all go to school together. We all live totally. on the same street. It's like that's what they know. 
but when you make it convenient for them to explore and make it give them the opportunity that they will discover new friends and they'll find lifelong friendships in a lot of cases yeah no definitely um something i really love about D too is that at, like I, I run some like youth groups for video gaming and i do video, i do mentoring to video gaming as well but first of all video gaming is hypersymmetry for our brain so flashing screens it, it just turns your brain on and for a lot of us it means we have an elevated mood not a low mood so the difference there, anyone listening, is an elevated mood, think like fight or flight or freeze. Elevated is fight or flight. Um, it can be freeze, but freeze can also be low mood. So think like, you know, when you want to be a couch potato or curl up and be a burrito um, in a blanket. So video games put us into that hyperspace. Um, and it's really hard to regulate your emotions and kind of calm yourself down. And, you know, how many times are you playing like COD or something and you hear a 12-year-old being like, F you, you are like, mate, what's your language? Just, just um, chill. Or, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Or you There's watch, Pucklesworth you, coming through. That, that is, that's it. Um, uh, yeah, or there'll be like, um, you know, kids will be really rude to their parents after mm. playing games. I used to, I'm the same. Like if I play games for more than two hours, I just get really irritable when I finish and I need time to come down with D and D don't have that. So with all of this lockdown stuff, people have been gaming and online so much and they're, they're elevated because their screens are flashing at them. They're hyper stimulated. And so they ground ourselves and regulate ourselves and get in touch with our bodies. So something I love about D and D is when you're acting out a character, like you can't help but move around like I am yeah. now. Like um, not only that, you're conscious of creating space for other people which means you kind of have to keep a lid on how elevated you get. Mm. And not everyone's perfect at it. Like, I know I play games and I get really excited and I bulldoze over other people. Um, but I think that D&D and tabletop gaming in general can offer that um, to young people today because, you know, growing up with video games, I've got friends, I play, play games on a Thursday night with a bunch of mates and they're awesome fun to hang out with. But I really notice like the difference between those friends, my friends who don't play games at all in terms of their productivity, how much time they spend with their family and their loved ones versus gaming. Um, and don't get me wrong, they're really, they're awesome caring guys. They love their families. They, they do a lot for them. But, you know, if you're spending four or five hours, you know, three, four nights a week gaming, um, it seems fun. I do it. We all do it. We're all guilty of it. But the difference is, is that you often, it's quite insular. Like even when we play yeah. collaboratively online, we'll sit there in silence unless we're like, oh, there's something over here, there's something over there. We've been playing Warzone a lot. So we're like, yep, zombies incoming or whatever. Yeah. Um, but D&D or other, you know, TTRPGs, um, it's all about, you know, hey, Jeremy, what do you think about this? Or I'm going to go and investigate the well. Um, does someone want to of- check out the dead body or... There's someone always talking because if it's not the dungeon master, it'll be a character that you always kind of have to, everything keeps moving all the time. And even if the dungeon master goes, okay, cool. I need to look something up for a second, role play amongst yourselves. You can have this little conversation and you're always thinking something's always happening at the table, which I think is another thing when you're talking about the elevated moods that you can, if somebody's in a, a heightened state, if somebody's getting loud, you can jump to somebody else. Yeah. And that can just bring them down a little bit and let them calm down and you can go, okay, so now somebody else gets a turn, somebody else, and it just calms everything. Totally. So you have that opportunity to 
to not get overstimulated by the events because I feel that that sometimes happens when people do take over a table when somebody is like, no, no, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do this, and no one else gets something in. It's like, well, you're just getting a bit overstimulated. Let's let's see what everyone else is doing, and once you've calmed yeah. down a bit, we'll, we'll go back to you. No, totally. I, yeah, it's 100%. Um, I, think, I think that's one of the coolest things that D&D has to offer mm. is like that like wholesome... I think D&D at its heart is a collaborative game. Like I, I, I just got a grant, got about $5,000 from my local council where I grew up, to run three D&D groups and I'm employing Dungeon Masters and doing careers counselling. That's another thing that I do. I do careers counselling. Um, and um, with those three Dungeon Masters and helping them run their games and I'm going to put them through the mental health first aid course. But um, where was I going with this? Um, damn it. Man, I'm so sorry. My brain is scattered today. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, I had something else. Uh, I did want to say, though, so a lot of the time, I mean, you run Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. quite a lot. Have you tried other games? No. Because um, I would I, find I, it interesting. So I'll, yeah, I'll let you yeah. finish in a second. I would find it interesting that there are a lot of parameters already set out with Dungeons & Dragons, and a lot of other games would have not quite as... Um, they are more of the collaborative storytelling that you can have back and forth and the yes and that improv has a lot of and i'm wondering whether they'd work as well in a lot of the things we've been talking about today whether they would have the same benefits i think role playing in general always has these benefits but i'm wondering whether dungeons and dragons in particular has set up these these good little spaces that you can can be yourself you can have that safety have those rules in place whereas something a bit more like fudge or fate or kids on bikes or these other ones which are more about okay that's a great idea i'm going to build on that now you build on that now you build on that and don't have that i roll the dice and i am successful or i fail those binary ideas i think i think you're right actually 100 percent. something that's really struck me with a lot of new players particularly younger players um a a lot of them don't know about ability checks and how how broad they can be they really factual um also lots of my clients are on the spectrum so they're very process oriented but even with others i know when i first started playing dnd i was like yeah i'm going to make an investigation check and that's what i have to do in this scenario um and so i do actively encourage my players to be more creative and to talk to me about what they think a role would be like what kind of skill check and if they're like i want to do a perception check on investigation check i'm like cool tell me why that is and um, they'll start talking and someone will chime in and I'll go, yeah, great. That totally makes sense. You can, you can do that. I don't care. Um, that's probably my response to a lot of new ideas. Like, give it a go. Like, I don't mind. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think, I think that would be nice. Like, if, I think the way I play D&D, I have a lot of that, why not, let's try this stuff. Um, I think the biggest challenge with what you're talking about, like the collaborative storytelling is that, you need to be immersed in that, I think, to know how it works. And it's like D&D is already quite overwhelming. Mm. So I think it'd be worth, like, I might even have a think about, like, oh, if you've got any ideas, like how you could immerse characters into that. Like, I'm sure there's some drama games or activities you could run prior to a session to get people yeah. into the feel for how it would work. Yeah, it'd be something that Session Zero would work particularly well with if people are willing to invest the time for it. That you have, okay, so let's just have a quick conversation between your character and the shopkeep that we're going to have, and he's trying to give you a bad deal. So let's work out what happens, and you'll get the voice, you'll kind of figure it out. It's not canon, 
it's not something yeah. that you'll actually use in the game but hey it's just a fun little way of spinning the wheels in the brain and going all right i'm getting into the the mode of this guy now yeah oh, it's so true like um I really struggle with some accents, like some, for whatever reason, when I'm tired, like today, you can see my brain yeah. is like not working properly. See, um, I have problems remembering what I used last time. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know this guy's voice. Like I, I tried to introduce this guy, was he in the new campaign, Lucky Luke um, Darrington, um, and he's a gunslinger. And it's in a pirate campaign. And I Classic was like, Lucky he, Luke from, um, yeah, yeah. from the, yeah, Cassini. Yeah, totally, yeah. Cassini um, Comics. That's the one. Um, I was like, I'm going to play him like a drooling cowboy. And so I, I introduced him and then I just changed to British like halfway through. Oh. And I was like, I can't get his accent right. Oh. So like having a chance to warm up a character would be so good. But as a dungeon master, we don't really get that opportunity. <laughs> this is why I tend to do stuff with my characters. I'm like, all halflings in my world are Irish. Because yeah. I'll just be able to go into an Irish accent really quickly. And occasionally I'll just be like, okay, so I'm talking, you're talking with this dark elf and it's all this, oh, apparently they're Irish now. All right, fine. <laughs> Rest of the conversation, they're going to be Irish because I'm not switching back. It's, it's a little bit too hard for me because I didn't expect them to talk to that person. Yeah. No, I've, I've been there, mate. I think every dungeon master's been there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been, it was been a lot of fun, like working with Caleb with Pugglesworth and Minuling. So we introduced two other characters. I, I had Yagled, so... Minuling is a collector of people, which as a dungeon master is a nightmare, as you would know. Yeah. They're like, let's befriend the griffin, and then, right, there's another NPC in the party. Now we've got like 15 people. There is always one. There is. It's usually yeah. me, but I, I'm worse as a dungeon master because I'll go be like, yeah, the goblin yeah. goes with yeah. you. Totally. Yeah. They're going to yeah. follow you around. I'm like, no, what did I do to myself? Why? <laughs> that's what happened with Yagleb. And I was like, oh, I should be fun because I'll introduce him. And that's when I had the idea to have Caleb. I was like, oh, in a couple of sessions, I'll ask him to introduce the character. But Yagleb, like, my goblin voice is always like, yeah, this is how he sounds. He's really cut. Um, which is really easy to do. But then switching from that to Pugglesworth is like, hey, man, like, yeah, this is really cool. I, 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 uh, I really like in this chat, Jeremy. This is really fun. Um, it's the nightmare. <laughs> That's a whiplash. It is. Between like, the two uh, of those. Yeah. Um, and then, like, if there's a third NPC there who's got a fucking cowboy accent. Sorry, excuse my French. Um, mm. I'm like, oh, no. Nah, it's just... It's <laughs> Yeah, this is why I think dungeon masters have try to get more players so they don't have to have NPCs talking to each yeah, other. Yeah, it's the worst. It's so I've seen so many times like I've, I've got a group of eight that I play with um, the Dark Powers campaign, and um, they so often I, I'm like, yeah, there's like they, they were just in the in Neverwinter, which is ruled by Queen Alessandra, who took over from Lord Neverember in my homebrew world, like a homebrew adjusted Faerun, Forgotten Realms. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, I was like, you know, shivers. We've got, you know, six lords that I've got, like, major lords or major houses I have to introduce. I've got the um, – one of my players is part of Zentering. So I had to create all these underworld figures, which I actually had a lot of fun with. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make some really weird characters. So there was, like, a lizard folk um, uh, drag queen who ran um, the local, like, brothel slash tavern. Um that was really fun. Um, I liked playing Kest. Kest was great. Um, there was some fun Tabaxi characters. Um, back, tabaxi name generators are like my, my new favourite thing. I don't know if you jumped online and had a look yeah. at them. It's like seven silver tongues or something. There's some great ones out it's there. It's good fun. 
It's like it's it's a little bit just jamming words together, but they always come out so great. I've seen a few with the just you know tavern names, but um, yeah, tabaxi ones would be so much fun. They are a lot of fun. Um, I tend to steal tabaxi names from the musical Cats. So <laughs> good idea. I might do that. No one's no one's clued oh, in. Yeah, it's great. I do like doing stuff like that. I've got to say, like it's really fun introducing stupid characters from pop culture into your game and waiting for yeah. people to meet them. Um, in my in that same yeah. group, I um. It was when um, the last Star Wars came out, and so I, I in Neverwinter, I just put all these Star Wars Easter eggs. Um, but of course, playing with one of the guys in the group, he's on the spectrum, and so as soon as like the order was mentioned, he's like, "I'm getting, I'm getting suspicious now." <laughs> like, and there's a couple other characters I can't remember what they were. And he's like, oh, "I knew it. You know, these are all Star Wars references." And I was like, "Yeah, you managed to find three of them in one session. I'm impressed." Um, I think that's a great idea because people love... This is why we have Easter eggs mm. in movies. And this is why people are obsessed with continuity in comics, in books, in in movies again. That you have these opportunities to go, I recognize yeah. that. Nope. That's something I know about. And it may not be something that the characters know about, but you as the player, you get to feel really yeah. smart. Because I picked up on that. And you, again, that shared experience, that shared wavelength yeah. that you and the, the player get to be on, it's just really enjoyable. No, it is good too. And I think it's also like the comfort of the familiar. Like if you yeah. can make things a little a little bit familiar, but not too familiar, the players just automatically relax a little bit. Um, mm. So I find that to be really cool too. Um, yeah. I think it's a, a useful way of... Again, with descriptions for dungeon masters who might not be completely on board with giving full detailed descriptions of what things look like or might feel that their skills are a little bit lacking, you can just put a picture yeah. up and go, this is what they look like and everyone now knows what they're expecting. And in that familiarity, you then have the players know, you know, you can move on and get the story done. Yeah, totally. Um, it's actually funny, just one last thing. I, I forgot to mention that before about Pat Woolworth. When I was, when I was creating him... I was really obsessed with the traveler in Critical Role, mm-hmm. and I, I love. I don't know if you've seen the recent episode, the Halloween episode. Matt Mercer. I haven't. He, yeah, so he, he dresses up as Artigan, the Artigan, what his name is, um, Artagan. Thank you. Um, but that's how I envisaged Puddlesworth, but as a furball. So he's got like the crazy eyebrows, the massive ears, and his mane of red hair. Um, yeah. It is. It's a good. It's a good look. It's a good weird look. Like if I'm going to look like anything, like I want to look yeah. cool. It's such a cool look. It is just yeah. this. Yeah. No, it's all. It's very much a fae look. But anyway, Alexi, thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find you online if they're looking? If they're looking for the the Outer Eastern D and D League, or just you yourself? Uh, there is a Facebook group. I will quickly look it up because I always forget. One of the guys I work with. Um, he renamed our mm-hmm. original D&D group, but oh. he renamed it wrong. So if you look for um, Dungeons and Dragons in Melbourne's Outer East um, is what it's called. So search that on Facebook. Um, on Facebook. There's just a Facebook group at the moment. I, I will have a website up live um, in the next little while. Um, honestly, if you if you just Google my name, which is Alexei Bondarenko-Edwards, I'm pretty sure I'm the only <laughs> person that will come up. Um, so you know, people can always feel free to reach out to chat to me. I do NDIS um, coaching and mentoring. I use Dungeons and Dragons and video games, but I also do wellbeing coaching and careers counselling. Um, I'm really passionate about working with businesses to help them employ people from a background with a disability or people from 
backgrounds um, who might be vulnerable, struggle to find work. Um, so if people are interested in sort of integrating some of this stuff into their workplace, uh, that's something I do as well. It's kind of tangible. And I also run inclusion, diversity and mental health first aid training. So yeah, so if any of the listeners are in Melbourne or not in Melbourne, because we can do all these things online. Yeah. Um, get in touch with Alexi. Uh, so again, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's been so much fun. <laughs> and now I would ask yeah. if you could say goodbye to our lovely listeners as Pugglesworth. Oh, all right, geez. Um, hang on. Let me get his voice back. Uh, hey guys. Uh, it's been really lovely. Uh, shouting to Jeremy. He's a nice guy. Um, I like what he's doing here. I like the chance to uh, talk about me and talk about him and my friend Minuling. She's pretty cool. Anyway, thanks, guys. Bye. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you had a great time listening to myself and Alexi talk about all the the weird and wonderful things that um, his characters have gotten up to. If you have someone that you think would be really interesting to have on the show, let me know. You can get in touch through email, which is tellmeaboutyourdnd at gmail.com. I am on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook and Instagram are at tellmeaboutyourdnd, and Twitter is tellmeyourdnd. I do have another podcast. It's of Dyson DMs, also on SoundCloud, and you can find us wherever good podcasts are found, which is probably just Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, of course, where we're hosted. But really, any podcast player, you should be able to find us. What would be really great is if you use those to share, like, and subscribe. Or just share us with your friends, because that will get the word out there. Art for the podcast is done by Tori Tedeschi. Music by Plottington Bear. Until next time, may all your hits be crits. Mm-hmm.